All right. Um, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Generation Discourse podcast. Um, it's just your hosts today, Vanessa, Stella and Sophia. And we're going to kick off the end of our break with just a nice conversation between us three. Um, today, we'll be talking about the stigmatization of sexuality in women. Um, and we'll just be talking about, you know, women's sexuality in general as well. Um, just to kick off the conversation, um, a question I've been wondering is kind of like whether it's like theoretically possible to for for like a woman to completely own like sexiness, quote unquote, um, like beyond the male gaze completely. Yeah, I feel like that's a difficult question because the idea of sexuality and the state of being sexy is almost determined by how other people view you and perception of the other. And so I f- it feels a bit of like a bit of a non sequitur to say that you have ownership over being sexy because yeah. you would say that it's probably predefined that being sexy is determined by how other people see you and your identity. I think it's like it's like another school of feminist thought, right? Like, um, you know, some of my friends, it's like it's kind of like the idea of like it, by taking ownership of like your sexiness, you don't deny that your sexiness is viewed as sexy by other people, but you take advantage of that. So it's like the like having sex with your boss in order to get promoted. Like some feminists believe like that's a that's like a feminist thing to do. That's like a like an empowering thing to do. Um, so What's I, your I yeah, I personal like opinion on that. <laughs> my personal opinion. I'm fully meritocratic, so I don't think like no matter. I, I think that's a question beyond like feminism, like the debate of feminism. Yeah, because then you have the question of power distance and whether you're yeah. truly making that decision with full autonomy or whether you feel like pressured by your economic situation. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a question beyond feminism. In my <laughs> okay, opinion. fair enough. Fair but, enough. You know, I think I think it's a valid point. You know, that some feminists make. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I really connect to this question because I remember when I was about thirteen, I fully came to terms with feminism and the idea of you know escaping from the male gaze, and I hated the idea of going through puberty and growing boobs and like becoming someone that you would get like. <laughs> that would get catcalled on the street or something or that people would look at in that way and so I actively right. avoided you know using girly products and I'd wear shorts all the time and it was really superficial changes that I made to my lifestyle and I think I only just came to the conclusion recently that by specifically avoiding feminine aspects of myself I was being in a way anti-feminist because I was like labeling the whole aspect of being feminine as a weakness and I feel like that's something that a lot of people are coming to terms with currently. Wow that's really interesting I definitely wasn't thinking that much about male gaze when I was 13. <laughs> I'm sure I'm yeah. not in so many I think, words yeah. I wasn't being quite so I think for me it oh, was like okay. a <laughs> subconscious feeling as well like I, I never like fully like like consciously thought like I do not want to be other than the male gaze and like be subject to like the patriarchy or something when I was 13, you know, but it was like a subconscious aversion to like feeling like I like, you know, expressing femininity. 
because you know there was like a subconscious discomfort with the consequences of that that you couldn't really nail when you were like 13 years old I guess um, I understand that on some level uh, here I was thinking you meant like you were <laughs> pondering on how to not be objectified <laughs> when you go through puberty yeah you know um but yeah I think for me like the other I, I, I try to like think about it on the other side of the coin as well, which is like um, sexiness defined in male terms. So like, does a, does a sexy man like necessarily need to be like sexually appealing? Like, you know, like I think, I think in today's times, like a sexy man is defined as someone who's like really like muscular, like, you know, like, I don't know, wide shoulders and like, you know, deep voice, all those kinds of things. But does that necessarily, do those features necessarily have like a direct relationship with like, you know, their ability to procreate? Whereas I think like a lot of the features that define female sexiness do have that very clear connection. Mm. Yeah, like wide childbirthing hips. Yeah. (laughs) Or like. Like really full lips and Mm. like large breasts. That is interesting. I feel like the traditional terms for a male sexiness would be someone who can protect the child rather than someone who is fertile and can procreate. But I yeah. feel like also in a modern sense, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this or not, but um, people are kind of redefining what it means to be sexy. Like I've seen a lot of people say, oh, that's what I find sexy, which is like someone reading lots of books or liking the band that they like or being generally interesting to talk to. And so I wonder if perhaps it has become more feminist to see yourself as sexy and take ownership of that because you are defining your own sexiness as what you believe is the type of person that you want to be. I think maybe then, I don't know, I kind of disagree with that because I feel like by definition, sexiness is defined externally. Because I feel like then when we, like in the comparisons we drew about between like, male sexiness and female sexiness I think fundamentally that just comes down to the difference between like the female and male gaze right Mm. um and so I think you know if you if you are then redefining I think you know when you're redefining like you know what makes you like cool is that necessarily like sexy you know I think when when you talked about like people like liking bands and like I don't know have like a cool sense of humor I think um, you know, those are features that people might say um, for, like, what they look for in, like, a partner they're romantically attracted to, right? But you wouldn't necessarily say that about yourself, like, oh, man, like, my hair makes me romantically attracted to myself. I don't know. So I, I feel like, yeah, yeah for, for my point of view, I do feel like sexiness is something that can only be externally defined by definition. True. So I feel like you draw quite a strong connection between sexiness and having ownership of one's sexuality to one's body, right? Your physical traits. If it's something that can be defined by someone who perceives you, it has to be something that they can see physically, right? Yeah. I feel like, I mean, that's kind of like most of what people, like physical appearance is what most people gravitate towards when they're thinking of like romantical, like sexual attraction, right? But not like exclusively physical appearance like someone might have they might smell nice or be able to say like what Stella said like likes a band or like is like you know nerdy or something yeah 
I don't, I've never really thought about this that much before. So I guess my default opinion had been that if you are actively trying to be sexy, you're like objectifying yourself, which mm. I think can probably seem quite problematic these days. I was just yeah, I definitely about, um, disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think that anymore. It was just like, you know, the 13-year-old Stella that wore shorts all the time. Fair enough. Um, and I mean, that just kind of reminded me because I was doing some research for my analysis in literature of a doll's house. And um, I was reading some Simone de Beauvoir, as you do. And she was talking about um, like internalized sexuality and how women more often objectify themselves in their own view because they have internal sex organs and so they can't see them and they can't own them in the way that a man can own his and so they don't feel as autonomous in their sexuality and so maybe it's probably a stretch but you could probably draw a connection between taking ownership of one's physicality to having like sexual autonomy in the way that Simone de Beauvoir thought that women found it more difficult to I feel like it has less to do with the fact that male sex organs are like um, <laughs> externally visible as it does to do with other societal norms. Like, yeah, I don't know how yeah. I feel about I know. that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I feel like like that argument's a bit weak compared to like <laughs> all the stuff about like the male gaze and like. Being yeah. like a second six. I mean, stuff. of course. I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like drawing like really abstract connections. If you haven't, noticed. no, it's interesting though. It is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like it has more to do with the patriarchy than, mm. um, you know, the external sex organs, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, well, then considering the patriarchy, do you think that people can actually own their own sexiness? Then, Sophia, I don't know. I feel like that's maybe the whole question of our discussion here we haven't reached yeah. a, you know i haven't well, it's reached like, a it's final like, conclusion on that it's like beyonce and like ariana grande like strutting around on stage and like really skimpy outfits and being like but still being like really confident and like clearly looking really independent um you know they're they're you know openly and like very confidently showing their sexiness in mm. that case is it still like a like a feminist thing for them to do or is it still like or is this all of this confidence and like like um independence just a facade to cover like the fundamental like male gaze that they've internalized I think that for sure is like a feminist thing for them to do especially given that Beyonce and Ariana Grande's audiences are like largely female I feel like them owning their body, especially given that they're the ones who like are making the most profit off of their sexuality. Like that is an inherently feminist thing to do to like own their own sexuality and get paid for that rather than oftentimes when it's men profiting off of, how do I say, I don't know, putting women in that light. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah really I get what point. you mean. Yeah. I think on the flip side then, something something I think about a lot as well is like, um the concept of like if if femininity is kind of to some extent attached to the notion that you've got to be like uh sexy then that that characteristic is not particularly normal or you know common in men 
Um, so, you know, you'd see, you'd see like feminine, I think in today's society, you'd see like feminine woman. You'd also see like relatively masculine woman. And I think that kind of duality or, or is becoming more and more acceptable and common. But on the other hand, you only really see like masculine men. And when you do see feminine men, they're kind of not really accepted by fellow men, if that makes sense. Like, you know, you'd see like masculine females still be able to hang out with all of their other female friends. Whereas like feminine men, like like examples off the top of my head are like James Charles and like, um, you know, those, those kinds of people. They're like more accepted into female-like groups and kind of seen as othered by their like male masculine male counterparts if that makes sense Mm. um i think that's a really interesting kind of thing to think about that you know femininity is just um it's it's not just like about it's not just about like females being able to be masculine but it's also about like males being able to be feminine and still being accepted or like treated as like still like a male by their you know male counterparts yeah Yeah, I mean, I guess that just shows how the idea of toxic masculinity or like the patriarchy affects men, not, I'm not going to say just as much, but affects men as well as women. I think, well, yeah, I think, I think for, for feminism to really advance, I think you like also have to address like what's happening with men as well. Right. Like, I think like this, this kind of what's happening now then points towards that, like there's still something about the definition of femininity that like m- like the masculine party just can't kind of like seem to accept and maybe it's like you know they're used to um femininity being like something they sexualize and it's like uncomfortable when that appears in like a fellow man when it's like when like a heterosexual man like sees um co- uh, qualities of femininity that they usually associate in like a sexy heterosexual female and then they see that in a another man they're kind of like yo that's a bit weird like no homo and like back away you know yeah that's interesting to think about i yeah, hadn't thought about it that way fresh. that is interesting i think i don't know i've just been this might be a little bit of a tangent but um i was just thinking about you know um ariana grande and beyonce owning their sexuality as you were talking about Vanessa and um this is this is definitely going to sound like a stretch but bear with me it kind of reminded me of the Monica Lewinsky trial um because I feel like it was a moment in history especially in the states where people kind of collectively villainized this woman for actively pursuing her love interest because I feel like I'm not particularly familiar with what is it that you said the yeah, I only I only slightly know of the Monica Lewinsky situation. Was, um, oh, Monica Lewinsky, like yeah. the um Bill Clinton. Yeah, yeah, girl. Right. The side right. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right, okay. And I think there's been lots of trials like this before, except the one key difference is that Monica was seen as she testified as an active participant within the affair. Because I think you'll see lots of cases where a woman was pursued by her boss and then she reluctantly gave in and then the affair occurred. But Monica was actively flirting with him and wanting to be in a relationship with him. And then it was at that point that the nation saw that and vilified her 
and I'm not sure I'm not drawing a direct line between those two aspects, but I think that an argument could be made that a woman is only seen as sexy if she is sort of like an unwilling participant in the sex. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, you know? I think that Monica Lewinsky being vilified probably also has something to do with the fact that people just generally don't like home records or like, yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's interesting as well. And another thing that like, that reminds me of similar to the whole Cardi B, Beyonce line of thought is, I don't know if any of you listen to a lot of like gangster rap, but it's, there are very common themes of like um, very, what's the word um oh i can't think of the word but like visual vile description graphic graphic descriptions (laughs) of like things being done to women um you know obviously other things like violence and drugs and money but like specifically related to this topic there's a lot of graphic descriptions of stuff being done to women and yet you find that guys really look down on artists like Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B and find it weird to be uh, hearing males talk about, uh, females talk about men in that way in her music. Yeah. Um, As well as like women talking about themselves in that way. Yeah. Like it's, it's like what you said, it's less sexy when women are talking about themselves in that way. Mm. Whereas they'll, you know, praise rappers like this for talking about things that I feel like maybe aren't suitable for this podcast but yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah. totally right and I think but one key word that I heard you say in there that I thought was really interesting is like things being done to women yeah uh, you're seeing a lot of these the things. subject of the, the thing that's done to rather than like an active participant yeah exactly and you'll see in these songs like it's not like you know she did this or we did this it was like I did this thing you know mm. Yeah, so that was yeah. that kind of um, is contingent with what you were saying about Monica Lewinsky. It's only sexy if it's being done to you rather than, you know, you're an active participant. Totally. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you and you see this in trials all the time and it's really interesting but also kind of tragic. But you get victims being blamed for having consented and, you know, and it just becomes like a character study of the woman who was abused rather than the man because she had at one point asked for it and then it had gone too far and so it's like I don't know people don't enjoy it when women have an understanding of what they want or desire I'm not sure why that is I think I'll need to do some more thinking on that Mm. I can't think of an example off the top of my head but I feel like there are a lot of women in society that even for not having done anything men just generally don't like in pop culture mm. purely because they're like strong women who voice their own opinions and aren't the typically palatable like and one know. example i can think of is jennifer lawrence right mm. oh yeah yeah but another interesting example i feel like is anne hathaway um and i think she do you guys remember when she got a, like a lot of hate i think it was like in 2010 yeah. Um, like she became like wildly successful right because of like the princess diaries um and then lamers um and then you know she was like on tv shows and like interviews and stuff everywhere but then like for no reason the public just started hating on her 
Mm. Um, and then like, you know, it was it was pretty terrible. It was like it was pretty much on par with like a lot of the hate that Jennifer Lawrence was getting. Um, and then so she had to kind of, you know, be out of the limelight for like quite a while. It was like four or five years, I think. Um, wow. I'll need to fact check that. But um, you know, a lot of like only only like in the last few years in retrospect, like people have been kind of reflecting on you know the kind of hate that Anne Hathaway got like she didn't do anything particularly you know weird the most you know interestingly the most like the thing she did that generated the most like outrage was when she got an Oscar right and then she went on stage and she was like oh this is like what I wished for (laughs) and then the like (laughs) the internet was like she wanted the Oscars like how dare she (laughs) how dare she think she was talented enough to win an oscar yeah like they're like like, videos are like zooming in on her mouth and like like translating her like lip movement they're like she whispered that to herself how dare she it was like oh my god i think it's just like you know you have Anne hathaway who i think is like kind of like an icon for like a feminine elegant lady and then she does like this one little thing that goes against that stereotype I suppose of like being like even slightly more ambitious than what someone would expect of someone like her um you know she was able to like a try hard um and all of those things throughout her hate um and I think yeah it's just again I think it's another one of those examples where you get a woman who at the time at least like showed some kind of like independence and like ambition um then you know gets hammered for that kind of behavior yeah I think you could totally also draw a connection to Hillary Clinton as well obviously Mm. there are other reasons that people dislike her but I think one of the main ones is that she just had ambition outside of being the wife of her husband And, you know, Mm. the first time that the public hatred was turned upon her was when she wanted to keep her own last name when she got married to Bill. And everyone was like, how dare she? And Bill was only a governor at this point. And she was just slammed for it because they thought she was ungrateful and that, you know, it was offensive for her to want to maintain her previous identity before Bill. I think this idea of a woman having ambition and free thought and wanting like and having goals that she wants to pursue and is successful in achieving those goals is threatening in a way maybe yeah. that's why Anne Hathaway received the hate that she did for saying that she wished for the Oscar mm. or perhaps it's a different thing entirely hi everyone Stella here sorry for the abrupt transition but uh this does mark the end of episode one We did have to split this call up into three parts, seeing as it got quite long. So you'll be seeing part two out next week and part three out the week after that. We just wanted to thank everyone for your continued patience during our hiatus. And it ended up being quite long because of our exams and also taking a bit of a break. But we hope that these three episodes will start off a consistent upload schedule that will get the ball rolling for the rest of this year. So thank you.